Baby, it's jacking into the back of your brain. Um, oh, that'd be bad if the Matrix were run by 4chan. If it ever happens, you know it will be. In which case, uh, we're gonna, Joe, we're gonna have to find a program that uh, bleaches us. We gotta find <laughs> that. Uh, we gotta find that uh, Villaligo program. Dear God. Well, that, well that's what, what is, we need to do to survive. Yeah, what to is survive. it about there? Why do they hate black people? Um, they well, here's the thing. 4chan actually just hates everyone. It's a troll haven. The uh, problem is that um, the alt right has been working really hard to claim it. So they have a pretty strong base there. But you find trolls of all kinds there. Like, there are people oh, yeah, who yeah. go there specifically to troll the art, alt writers. I saw this thing, uh, and it was like these Antifa guys. It was a video. Mm-hmm. And they were had their masks on, and they were playing video games, and they were like, yeah, man, the alt right's trying to claim anime and video games is their thing, but we're not going to let them. Damn straight. Anime and video games are for everyone, and if you don't like that, you know, well, I'm sure you guys have no problems with it. But uh, Even Donald Trump? Hey, if he's playing a video game or watching an anime, chances are he's not fucking up politically, so, yeah. <laughs> They really are for everyone. Yeah, sit down and enjoy. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I should save some of this for the show itself. You know what? Let's let's just let's just not mention him again. Because anime's for everyone, Joe. Yeah. There you, there you go. Screw this. This is making it. This is part of the intro now. <laughs> I guess you could find some connection between Trump and Hermes. Well, we're talking about anime. Uh, <laughs> Mike Mike made the connection. There's context. Uh, if you somehow are jumping into this episode at this very point, dear listener, rewind a little bit. Or not. It's your America. It's your America. That's right. Well, what if they're not in America? Well, then it's your insert country here. Your Canada, your Mexico, your England, your Ireland. It doesn't matter. There's Zimbabwe. What if it's North Korea? Oh. Um, I don't think it is their country. No, and I mean, I hope that the contraband media you're getting in North Korea isn't this. Um, I like to think we can sometimes be pretty good, but we're not worth anyone risking their lives over. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're in North Korea, turn this off, escape, and then turn it off. Escape. Jeez. No, I, you I, should I, listen to us. No, no, I, no, Mike, we cannot I have their escaping. lives on we're gonna our start hands. The, we're going to start the revolution. We're not going to start shit. In North Korea. Like, I'm, I'm glad that you think so highly of yourself, and maybe us as a whole. But we can do it. Ugh. 
All right. Uh, don't get yourself killed over me, dear listener. I love you too much. All right. Korean man or woman, as you're listening to us, start running. I'm going to need you to take a left. Then keep going forward. And as soon as you see the fence, leap over. This is all Lionel. No, he, he, no, he no, no, Joe, stop it. <laughs> it's bad enough when Mike does that to me. No, uh, no. We're here to here to help Korea. NAGP, wait, no, this isn't that. Yeah, this yeah, NAGP, <laughs> yeah, that's right. NAGP is telling you to jump the fence. Old talk I don't know here. how they you see. escape, but do so carefully. Otaku supports you rebelling. Oh, no, no. See, I, I support them escaping North Korea. I just don't this want is... them like being punished, hurt, or killed because they were listening to us while in North Korea. You can't just be like, leave. They don't even know it's bad. They think that North Korea won well, the Korean well, no, see, War that's, and shit. Well, no, that's, that's what the uh, contraband media is literally for. That's the purpose it serves. Uh, yeah, that's what we got to do. We got to be like, yeah, but we we're, won. Yeah, but that, that, stuff, that stuff can get you killed out there. What I'm saying is, is I mean... Oh, it, it, a lot of things can get you killed out there. Yeah, I don't want to be one of them. You're not I there. Watch, I was watching this uh, Our material. Korea. <laughs> I was watching this documentary in Korea, and, and they were like interviewing a bunch of just random people, like saying, "What do you think about your country?" Mm-hmm. And they always had big smiles and said, "This is the best place I've ever <laughs> oh, been." Oh yeah, the, leave. the brainwashing out there is hardcore. Yeah, yeah. They, they're they're no they're film anything bad about it. Like their their film industry is devoted solely to the brainwashing of the masses. I saw a documentary about a lady who was trying to learning how to create um, like a propaganda film, and she went to North Korea to learn from their, uh, I'd say their film whatever, but it's literally just one group of people making all the movies out there. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's a different world over there. Yep. But But, uh, hopefully you have Air Master over there. If not, you're going to have to find that first. Oh yeah, they, oh yeah, no, yeah. Now there's there's something you can watch. That, that well, I don't know. You know. Can they? They they probably block a well, lot there's, of them. There's media. something I'd recommend. Yeah, they probably wouldn't like that since it comes from Japan. But um, like if you're gonna find some contraband media, maybe like yeah, find some of that Air Master and apply it to your uh, Taekwondo and start kicking the shit out of people. Specifically later. Yeah, air cut Terminator his ass. <laughs> I am great leader. Obey me. I'll give you pie. All right. Did you did you like this show, Joe? Yeah, we finished. We finished something. We finished another thing. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed on the ending, but I liked it. I I enjoyed the show as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to uh, take a guess at what the sort of state of the union is with these last three episodes. Um, I'm guessing last three faulty and problematic. I mean, the was it 25 is faulty and problematic. 26 is just like faulty in the sense that it does a lot of crap you really don't want to do so close to the end. Yeah. And 27 is fucking amazing. Eh. Yeah, I didn't. I think it was amazing. I thought it was. I mean, how I feel about that is, 
Um, uh, it doesn't feel like they rushed the ending so much as they skipped like ten episodes in between <laughs> the last episode and the one before it. Uh, I can I can see how you would uh, see it that way. Um, I kind of interpreted that a bit differently because uh, <coughs> yeah, a lot of stuff in there. Um, this was definitely not in any way supposed to be like the final confrontation. Um, this is just kind of like this happens in uh, shonen manga and shonen anime sometimes where way before you should be thinking about who the final boss is, they show up. And from time to time, mm-hmm. you'll even have an instance where they show up and actually fight the um, the protagonist. Um, Joe, I'm pretty sure something like this happens in Chrono Trigger, right? Well, Chrono Trigger had multiple endings, so which are you talking well, about? Well, the main well, well one, I know or? that like you can't... Well, there's... I want to say I'm not talking about a specific timeline. It's just one of the events where the guy that's supposed to be the like primary antagonist shows up pretty early on in the game, and you fight him. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. If you mean I like mean, the basically the the end, like the the final boss of the of the entire basically the alien that's trying to destroy the world or is going to destroy the world. Yeah, you can literally fight him in the very beginning of the game. Yeah, like like it's really. I think. Uh, probably like fifteen or thirty minutes into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's in, soon. in in games, these are normally like event battles. Like it doesn't really matter what you do; you're kind of conditioned to lose it regardless. And that's kind of what this fight is. Granted, mm-hmm. Maki does way better than you know you'd expect anyone to do in an event battle, so to speak. Um. I love that. I love that fight a lot, and it was maybe, uh, it was maybe the uh, part of this show. Like I've, I'd seen the earlier episodes of Airmaster way more than I've seen uh, later ones. Later ones were kind of hard to track down, and I think I may have watched this episode raw, which is why my memory of it was so hazy to non-existent. Um, I'll save my gushing over everything good about that episode later. Let's try and work through it chronologically. And I hope talking about episode 25 doesn't suck all the energy out of the room. Um, It was pretty bad. Yeah, so so Sakamoto (laughs) fucking shows up again and is central to what's going on, which I'd say eight times out of ten is going to lead to some some issues, some stuff you don't want. Um, He has a fight with that submission guy, which I think is supposed to be a big deal, but it's it's got that weird start-stop problem. Yeah. Where it's like they're doing something, they're building some momentum. Stop. Explain this thing. Or stop. Cut to somebody else doing something. Uh, I mean, the whole show's like that, but this one was kind of particularly... Mm-hmm. It was heinous. Like the, well, the, the the fighting itself was kind of... It wasn't as over-the-top as other fights, so it mm-hmm. felt kind of awkward and slow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think some of it is like due to the contrasting styles. One guy is like a really explosive, unconventional striker, and then you have another guy that's like pure submission. There's like handfuls of moments that are kind of neat, like when you see the submission guy kind of like tracing the line towards where he can go to like attack. But really, I think like it would have worked better if there weren't as many cuts, as many weird instances of them stopping and standing around. And I guess it's more frustrating just because it's, this is one of the last fights of the series, and it's supposed to be one of the biggest ones since this guy's this guy Sakamoto's fighting is ranked three. Mr. Perfect. <laughs> I would hate that Perfect. guy so much. <laughs> Did we see him earlier? Yeah, he was in the last. Uh, he was in episode twenty-four. Was he, he the he the, fought the guy dad. with the food? Yeah, where he was like, "I want to eat the meat," and Maki's dad is like, "Shut the hell up! Explain to me who the number one ranked is." Yeah, I was kind of suffering from the fact that last time we watched this was a while ago, so I was like, "Who is this guy again? Is it the guy? I don't really remember what." deal was mm-hmm. and i didn't really remember what the deal is with the power thing <laughs> power. i can't remember if that was the same was that the that was in the like, same episode i think it there was, was uh, there was like Ringe talking to that ghost lady there was like ghost girl and uh, not ghost girl that are that both basically wear all white so that was kind of confusing to jump oh, yeah, back Yuki. into yeah uh, um, and we never really got an explanation of Ghost Girl. Um, She's tied to the Eternal. That's kind of all we know. And I guess they're both, well, you know, again, event battle. They're both meant to be mysterious, at least for, I'd say, for the time being. But we never did get a second season. Yeah, the kind of the pacing on the show is very strange. Like, it. It works as like an episodic, like here's a new character to battle thing, but they kind of did that like all the way up into the end, um, to the point where, where you're being introduced to like the 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 like important characters for the end, like the episode before the end, or even in that episode, and it was I really wasn't feeling that. Um, yeah, if I had to guess as to why that happened. Um, I'd say possibly it could have been that they hit the point where they more or less caught up with the manga. Hmm. That might be, that's interesting. Cause I've seen that happen before. And in the case of a lot of shows where they're like really popular or just making huge amounts of money, they'll just venture off into a unique plot line to finish the story. Yeah. I know that's where like Game of Thrones is right now. Yeah. I don't watch it, but I hear everyone talking about it constantly. Yeah, Game of Thrones did it. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist did it. Uh, Helsing did it. Um, yeah, so it happens. But I guess rather than uh, kind of venture off, they decided to uh, leave things here with maybe the hope of doing another series. I honestly don't know, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense what you were saying, where sometimes you kind of meet the big bad and fight them. Like, 
It's I've seen that before, not just in anime where it's, you mm-hmm. know they show up kind of in the first act and don't really come and they fuck shit up and they don't really come back till the third act. Mm-hmm. As far as story structure goes, that kind of makes sense if they were doing that. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see kind of it's it's almost like they didn't plan um, like. Like they didn't map out the arcs from the manga correctly um, mm-hmm. to make a first season of a show. They were just like, uh, "Well, this is what happened next, so let's let's make that happen next." Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised. I think you can find scanlations of the first. I think what amounts to the first volume, and it does play out slightly different. Um, it seems like in the manga, Jackhammer guy. He isn't just a street fighter that runs into Maki and all the other people and becomes acquainted. Um, he encounters them and seems to be expressing a desire to gather people to go after somebody else. They don't say who that somebody else is by the end of the manga, but I think it might be like the sort of clash between the characters we know and the people in the Fukumichi ranking may have been more like a line drawn in the sand than something they were all participating in. Mm. But, you know, we won't know until somebody gets off of their goddamn ass and scans the rest of that goddamn manga. Yeah, mm. that's... I really hate how this thing is lost of time. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, especially with the, um, the last episode... All this, I really started to get a little bit weirded out when they started. Uh, it was the the ghost girl, and the, I know there was that other girl dressed in white who like that was Yuki. Was, that was the one who beat Mako yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, and then there's this new one, like all these new characters, and like all this really weird ghost, eternal weird. All these, I was so all these into that strange shit, things. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, it, it was like, I was like, what, definitely a raised eyebrow. They're like, what is going on here? They're introducing all this mystical, like ancient, I, it was a whole bunch of weird, like there's a yeah. samurai, like a ghost samurai in the background. I was like, yeah. what the, what is happening here? And it's, he's I like kinda, kissing her and then like sucking all the, I don't know, it, it got weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of got the idea. Of, I, I appreciated how the episode was kind of laid out and directed, but mm-hmm. Obviously, there was a bunch of story elements missing. Yeah. Um, it was more the kind of thing where we get this a lot where we watch something and, like, it'll it'll make me wonder about something, but then kind of inspire me to think of, like, a story that, that could be. Like, mm-hmm. so it seems like he's, I, I don't know, they were all old warriors or something, and he's relying on their power, mm-hmm. maybe something I, I don't know, which I thought was an interesting concept that was very strange to bring in in the last episode of yeah. the story. See, I want to say with the whole element of key use and as well as this weird sort of ability to sense other fighters that Maki has at certain points, that they kind of like... Those two elements they really started to go in on when they started the Fukumichi ranking portion of this. And I feel like those are meant to be like very subtle primers for what's going on with this guy. Granted, 
there's so much of it going on with him that I can see why it overloaded Joe. Um, yeah, I mean, it, well, it it just felt like there was a couple episodes missing here that uh, it almost felt like they. I mean, I've seen this happen a lot with anime where they'll just rush it rush at the very end clearly they had a lot of ideas and a lot of stuff they wanted to talk about but mm-hmm. usually just through through good budget constraints or just time issue it's anything they just had to like all right all right like we have no time yeah. to do this let's just do this yeah. quick final battle and let's be done with it that that is remember, true. Uh, that that does happen um this instance smells more of the kind of situation where they go okay let's get it out and we'll explain it in the next episode or the next season or whatever. Yeah, but See, it, it, it wasn't like they thought that part out though. Like, because there's teasing things, and then there's like, yeah, it, it felt more like, uh, you know, the remember when uh, Arrested Development got canceled, mm-hmm. and they had all this shit they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And they knew they were going to get canceled, so they tried to cram a shit ton of it into the last episode. Mm-hmm. Like all this stuff happened, and it was is weird. Yeah, but I, I kind of feel like that's what happened here. Even with um, episode twenty five, twenty six, and twenty seven, what this felt like, it felt like how they tend to do a lot of cartoons or end a lot of cartoons in America is where they'll just kind of end them they'll just stop and they don't really give any reason even when they're starting to do a story or anything they just tend to just cut them off without giving you reasons to why and with this it just kind of felt like with the episode 25 and the fights in that one and then the fights in 26 it just felt like you know it was really maybe in the middle of the series like it was just still kind of going on and doing its thing not really coming to a close of any kind Mm -hmm. and then 27 just felt like you know, oh, now, now suddenly she's fighting the final top guy, which seemed kind of out of nowhere. But even the whole pacing of the episode, it just still felt like this wasn't the final thing. This was just another stage in an ongoing series. Yeah, this this definitely feels like, uh, for me at least, end of season one series that they didn't know was going to get like a sequel. So it's like, okay, we've got a budget for 13 episodes. Oh, wait, we're getting a sequel. 26. But, but what about the re- – just, just put it in there. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Like, well, Except it, we don't even get the 26. We get nothing. Yeah, I mean, even with like Hero Academia, like how it ended there, you could kind of see that they were setting up for a third season with the villains and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they gave you hints and stuff, well, but this... Well, Hero it, Academia, there was a plan there. What I'm talking about is the thing they put out for the hell of it and are then surprised when it takes off. But they had 25... Well, okay, so you know, I guess that brings up another question. Back when this came out, was there... A lot of interest. Well, there was there was some interest. I think the manga came out in ninety, started in ninety seven. This anime started in two thousand three, so it had been out for a minute. Um, I think the manga ends in two thousand six. So there was a lot after. Um, I don't know where the manga was at the time that the anime came out. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of answers I can't really get without being able to look at the source material. Mm. But. It makes me wonder how popular it was because mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of the times you get um, what's that pop? It's not Jump Magazine. Shonen Black Jump. Is, 
that would this have been in Shonen Jump? Uh, I think it was... Hold on. I guess I just gotta look it up. I I don't know if it was in Shonen Jump. I know it was serialized. Let me check. Okay. Yeah, because usually when an anime in a particular season becomes really popular, I mean, they'll at least talk about it in Shonen Jump a lot, or they'll... It'll get more attention. Yeah. It just, it just well, feels I mean, like this. Like, even if we knew just how popular it was or is now in Japan, that might help. Yeah, like, I imagine it serious. exists in obscurity now. Yeah, the uh, it was serialized, but it was serialized in a book called Young Animal. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, a name, and that's that's a book for seinen manga, which is to say uh, adult males. I see. Okay. Huh. Well, clearly it got some attention. So, but mm-hmm. I just, I well, actually, I know I'm kind of asking this. I don't think you probably have an answer. Do you remember, or would you know, what other anime was released around this time? Because oh. you know they, they released they released like lots of anime in different chunks, and I'm wondering well, if maybe it got buried among I'm the other ones that on came out Wikipedia during that season. Right now, let's have a look. See, uh, let's see. Because maybe it just got overshadowed. That happens sometimes. Um. Well, it's this is kind of a niche, and like mm-hmm. we had no idea at the time, like how much of a niche not just fighting shows but martial arts uh, anime would become. Like I want to say this is in like the sort of primordial bits of, uh, uh, like Moe's rise to prominence. I want to say this is around the time people started like really complaining about this, you know, about stuff being popular. Uh, looking at it, uh, let's see, Big O was out around the time. Ah, that was very popular. Uh, Gun Gun Grave came out at that time. Gun Parade huh. March, Reader Die Damn, TV okay. series. <laughs> okay. Whoa. These are some good ones. So 2001? 2003. Oh, 2003. Yeah, that was kind of when I... Wolf's I guess that was, that was right after, like, my... I guess it was right in my, like, peak anime interest as a teenager. Mm. Yeah, Wolfram right was very after. popular. Yeah, oh, Wolfram was Alchemist, popular. That's another one. Damn! Oh, man. Uh, Full Metal Panic was going on. They tried to release that Ninja Scroll series, which didn't do so well. <laughs> yeah, no, I was all in on the anime around this time. Uh, there's some good stuff here, but I don't know if there was any reason for Airmaster to get suppressed. Granted, Joe, another thing to keep in mind is that anime was rising in popularity, this is still before streaming. This is still before anime is like a known quantity yeah. to all people. Yeah. It still yeah. exists in an, in an element of obscurity. So. This was like the nerds would stay up and watch it on Adult Swim era. Mm-hmm. Like midnight or 1 a.m. Or you'd like download it up yeah. for IRC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of right after the. Uh, like, all right, I'm going to have this episode in two days. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I remember those days. Getting my Dragon Ball Z up movies in three days. I remember getting yelled at for leaving the computer on before I went to school, and my mom's like, I couldn't get any phone calls, you little... Well, she didn't swear <laughs> at me, but she was that kind of angry. <laughs> yeah, dial up, gotta love it. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I, I guess like you're right. 
I feel like I may have... I might have gotten more into anime if it were more accessible back then. I mean, I was as much as I could, but it was like I could never finish anything. Well, yeah. Like, I remember trying to finish Trigun and having to wait for those DVDs to come in the mail. Mm-hmm. And I only got about like halfway through. Yeah. Yeah, you had to hunt. It was it was it yeah. was not, you know, the ease of access now that is, you know, kind of a blessing and a curse for the fandom itself. Yeah. But like you know, you had to you had to be searching for that stuff and in a lot of cases you had to be searching even if you had money if you didn't have money or you had very little you had you had to develop like a system or some means of like a special place you could go to find the stuff and you had to have a guy with a vcd burner that too Uh, or uh, or a Tower Records next to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was my thing was uh, used music stores because they would take other stuff, including like VHSs, and I'd get like used VHSs of like anime for like two bucks, three bucks. Yeah, Hollywood Video. Yeah, Blockbuster. All the rental places. Yeah, they started getting, but then people would always rent. They were popular. And they didn't have very many, so you'd always have to wait. Mm-hmm. Well, what my family and I used to do, like, we'd always make an event, was we'd go into San Francisco and go to Japantown and go to the oh, mall yeah. and just rent a whole bunch of <laughs> movies and anime. Because that, I mean, that place was always, that video store in the mall was packed full of all the anime you could not get. So we mm-hmm. would take lots of trips there. Yeah. Um, I They're think- overpriced. I think- yes, they were. I think and we could only rent four. it for like two days. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, know, I never rented from there, but I, I go to that store all the time, and all their shit is super expensive. Mm-hmm. They have all the Super Nintendo games imported in Japanese. It had so much. It was a Hello Kitty store. Yeah, it was the Hello Kitty. That's the place that had mm-hmm. all the crazy. Yeah. The bookstore had all the manga. Oh, mm-hmm. God, that place is, it was just heaven. Yeah, you guys ever like wander into like a, a random ass place in, I guess somewhere like like mainstream? Like you ever come across the weird kiosk in the middle of the mall that has like import games and shit, or like a like a random ass store that has like a section for shit like that? Yeah, but they I, have them. Yeah, in Japan Town, and there was one that I would go to a lot. Um, you probably been there. Amber Cable's the one that used to be in the uh, Pacific East Asian Mall mm-hmm. in uh, in like El Cerrito yeah, near yeah, Albany. Yeah, that's where I got the uh, Final Fantasy VIII soundtrack, mm-hmm. four disc, nice. and I paid like eighty dollars for that thing. Goddamn, <laughs> you needed it. Oh, wow. I did need it. Mike fucking needed I fucking, it. Except I fucking cracked the fourth disc because I would listen oh. to it all the time. Damn. In my CD player That's at rough. school and shit. That's tight. <laughs> I was listening to the. Hard. I was listening to the Final Fantasy VIII uh, soundtrack on YouTube when I was working. Man, that thing is beautiful. It is still mm-hmm. great music, even now. Yeah, just, oh, it's lovely. Super yeah. underrated. That that opening yes. makes me want to go out and do something crazy. Like, like, I love every, that opening. Everyone always talks about seven. Um, and even with eight, I feel like in, when they do concerts and shit, there's only like four songs they they fucking play. But the the whole thing is like mm-hmm. there's deep cuts that are really fucking 
good that I would yes. love to hear, like orchestrated, but nobody does them. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of great music in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, brain fart. Um. Yeah, anything in particular you guys want to hone in on with these last three episodes outside of, uh, I guess, how it ended? I mean, we got to talk about the weird rape scene. Oh, God. Why? It's almost ruined the whole series for me. It was pretty was bad, because, like, I, that was one of those things I forgot about. In that case, I probably blocked it out. But, like, when it was happening, I was like, oh, yeah, this. And the only parts that came to me in that moment was him trying to get up on her and her kicking him in the nuts. So I thought the scene would be, like, a few seconds long. But yeah. It was, it was, it was, ugh. I, like, I forgot about all the elbows and all the screaming and, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was not good. He fucking, I mean, he... I mean, he did it, it looks like, but then they, like, tried to, like, play it off as, like, or did he? And then they played it, like, for laughs. I don't it think was... he did it, but, like, that's that's still assault. That's still pretty dire. And I mean... They kind of, like, play the fact that she has some some survivor trauma or whatever, like, she's triggered by the mere mention of his name. For, uh-huh. for giggles over the course of the series too. Yeah, it was. I mean, it looked like he had his pants off and she was naked, and it looked like he got in there. It was, it was pretty gross. But then I, I don't know. It was, it was just bad. I, I really hated that. It was dumb. And then it's, it's like, why did they even put that in there? Yeah, it's like you could have like, removed that, and then like maybe gave us some time with one of these new characters or you know yeah I mean it's just it seems so like it's it's one thing like there's that weird kind of rapey scene in Blade Runner where you you can see they're trying to like convey something but nobody has figured out what that is yet but then like yeah this is just like I've feel like something was wrong with the person who wrote this yeah no somebody no i can tell you somebody thought this was fan service like well i can't say for utmost certainty that's my guess because i I don't want to make like broad ass assumptions about japan like all countries have like things that tend to get fetishized and um for various reasons you see a lot of fetishized depictions of rape and assault out there that you'll find in in some anime, but really, really prominent in their hentai, their animated porn. Mm-hmm. Even their regular porn is kind of rapey. Well, yeah, a lot of it even feels that way. It's like, okay, uh, this is nice and all, but why she gotta scream like she's in pain the entire time? This is yeah, this is kind of not good. I mean. Not even that, like, I'll accept that that's, like, a cultural thing, but, like, the amount of, like, subway, like, groping shits and, like, Mm -hmm. videos of girls just, like, looking uncomfortable while, like, tons of dudes are, like, groping them on the subway. It's, like, I don't know. It's, like, why you gotta be so dirty, Japan? Yeah, so God knows how many levels of, like, weird cultural stuff you gotta probably get into before you can begin to understand it. 
Yeah, yeah. it's if you want to uh, if you want to kind of wet your beak on that aspect as well as just read a good book, check out Tokyo Vice. Yeah, um, but yeah, this just—I was really like disappointed with these last three episodes. Uh, just that it was just like I'm already just like, oh, all right, here's fucking more Sakamoto, like gonna f- an episode focused on him, and then they end mm-hmm. it that way. Yeah. It's just like what? What? I don't even know what this is. Like, why did you take the worst part of the series and make it even worse? Mm-hmm. Were they trying to top themselves or what? I don't know. And maybe then, I, I said maybe somebody thought this was fan service. Maybe somebody else thought it was funny. That's what it felt like. That seemed like how they were trying to treat it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. And then the second episode, the, the one after that, just kind of felt. Like that one, more. F- yeah, I mentioned it that felt that like filler. Faulty. Yeah, but like that, it's like these these last three episodes should have been setting up. Like, okay, she meets number two, and then finally we get to number one. But then yeah. we like don't do that. And we then, never meet number two. Yeah. I had a theory for the longest time that number two was actually Fukumichi himself, but um, speaking yeah, of things, I was wondering. Speaking of things we never get a payoff for because we're shown a couple of times that he's physically capable, but yeah, and we even get so. like a sort of fight with him. It was really more a beating. <laughs> yeah, I I think this was. Um the opposite of payoff was how I would describe these three episodes. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, it was, it was like taking in more so it could like, it's like, okay, you're starting to pay your debt. You're starting to reach zero. You're going to be good. It's like, yeah, but if we take in more money, we can make more money. Let's do it. It's like, we've only got three episodes. It's, they kind of, yeah, they took out a bigger loan rather than pay off the original. <laughs> Yeah, and like slapped me in the face while doing it. Um, well, yep, you. Um, again, I love 27. I loved that episode so much. Yeah. The fight was so I was good. I was talking about 25. Was, oh, yeah. Well, no, that one slapped all of us. It was just yeah. like, it was, it's such like a, it's just such a bizarre, like, I mean, the whole series is like, it's empowering in some ways and it's like it's just diverse and like different and interesting and then it's almost like they're like okay we're it's almost like they had to like okay how can we up the level of perverseness since we're not doing the usual perverse things (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I don't know and it's like I, I know you guys could probably be completely without Sakamoto in the series and be fine I kind of wish maybe they could get rid of him, but bring in a palette swap of him just because I like the way he fights. The character stuff yeah. I could definitely go without. I mean, even like he was pretty one note. Like his only, yeah. the only thing about him was that he wanted to fuck Maki. Oh, well, there's like the Ugh. weird, messed up psychological shit he has, or I, I can only assume they're like. 
either he's a sociopath with a hair trigger or he actually has some weird psychological tick that causes him to lash out at people the way he does. But, like, again, one note, they never really go into that other than establish that it happens, and for some reason that has apparently something to do with why he likes Maki. But, again... Give me a palette swap. I'm kind of tired of his shit. Yeah, I yeah, was. I'm tired of him. Not a fan. Hmm. I mean, um, did, didn't he break his legs too? I mean, how yeah, was he even he, able to? Um, two legs were broke. Like there was like a bone in each leg broken and the arm broken. God. Um, what is it? In the first episode with him, he mentions being able to control endorphins to block out pain. And okay. I'd venture a guess that that's probably what allowed him to stand without screaming. Um, if I had to say why he was able to stand at all, it was either... Because there's, there's like multiple bones, at least in the lower legs, so maybe the smaller of the two is what was broken. So it makes it even more confusing into the whole scene with Maki. Cause, I mean, he just finished doing this crazy, insane fight most of his bones are broken, and then for some reason he decides to go yeah. all the way to Maki's house. Well, no, yeah. no, that's no, that's just... where one of the confusing bits is because, like, for some reason, you know, they never explain why Maki's dad seems to like hanging out with this guy, and nope. he like takes it upon himself to pick him up and carry him, take him wherever, and decides to he like stops by Maki's house for some reason and takes his uh takes the younger daughter out to get food and like leaves And him. leaves his ass there. Yeah, I mean he like he like choked him out right before but like he uh-huh. you could have left him at the door. You could have left him behind a locked door. He literally threw him inside while his other daughter was showering. Like, I mean bef- before that didn't he actually say, "Oh, like wasn't he like, okay, I'm going to take you to Maki, like, and he carries him on his back there. Again, hmm. why? I yeah. don't understand. Not a, he's not a good father. I don't get it, and it's it's even more perplexing, because, like, when, like, when his other daughter calls, and it's like, Maki and Sakamoto, they, um, he runs in like he's hella pissed, and then he's like, so how was it? Yeah. Like Ugh. it's like whoever wrote this couldn't make up their damn mind and was like Ugh. They could have they, yeah. they could have removed all of this and like maybe did a bit more hinting at Ghost Chick or Eternal or maybe you know what, maybe what they could have did is actually show Yuki and the and the Eternal fighting. Or maybe show the Eternal going on this weird rampage that was going on in the background of episode 26 because in episode 26 you get like random shots of guys that Maki previously fought just kind of like lying there unconscious and blown the fuck out and they're mentioning that as they're building up to the eternal and you know by the end of that episode you have ghost girl meeting Maki and calling her Jackie for some reason Again, things they don't pay off. It's like, wh- wh- what? Who? Yeah, uh, there's just a whole bunch of they just, they just all this shit that they never explain 
and then I, I don't know. It is really bizarre. It's yeah. It's again. It's frustrating because a lot of these issues could be resolved with here's a second season, or you know, barring that, here's the actual manga it's based on. But we, we can't get either. I just wish this uh, podcast had a bit more uh, clout, so to speak, on the internet, so maybe I could inspire somebody to do so. How many yeah. volumes was the manga? Um, volumes. Let me see if I can get that. I wonder how long it kept going. Just know it went on for like uh, six years. <laughs> Whoa. That's a long time. Eight volumes. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot. My God. Okay, clearly the manga did well. <laughs> yeah. If they were able to keep going that long. Which is what I have to... needs to fucking... I guess maybe I have to do it. Maybe I gotta learn yeah. Japanese and translate You're gonna have stuff. to learn Japanese, jump a cable. Uh, six damn years. I'm doing too much as it is. I got, like, work, babysitting, and school already. And this podcast. You do too much... Yeah, forget it all. So bad, you know. Take a, a one-way one ticket to Japan and learn. Oh, I'm, we're going to have to get either like a GoFundMe or a fucking <laughs> whatchamacallit to fund this process because I can't do that shit out of pocket. Those eyes. Those horrible yellow eyes. Oh, dear. <laughs> Just uh, do an exchange program. Find a Japanese family to take you in. I'm too old for that. They don't do that with their elders. They're not going to do that with old people. They do that with, like, (laughs) students and shit. You're going to have to open a host bar then. There you go. Um, uh, I guess. I guess I could do that. It's going to be a... It's got to find a bunch of pretty boy-looking motherfuckers to pimp out. Oh, no, you got to have a niche. It's got to be all black dudes. Yeah, they can be pretty boy black motherfuckers. Sure. You gotta be the premier host. No. No. Yeah. No. I I can't. No, that'll send people running away. I gotta be like, uh, like, like the lady who runs the host, like, runs the, uh, the brothel is like the madam. The mama-san. I gotta be the sir. Mama-san cables. I gotta be the OG-san. Oh my. Walk around in a Hefner robe with a cigar hanging out my mouth at all times. Oh, he passed away. I thought he would live forever. Yeah, yeah he's gone now. Speaking mm-hmm. of eternal. Yeah, well, we still have Larry King and Stan Lee. Knock on wood. Oh, Is uh, Barker still around? I don't know. That's a good question. Neuterin. Apparently that all-liquid diet is like made him immortal. He's on an all-liquid diet. Yep. Yeesh. Wonder how old he is. <laughs> Ninety-three years old. He is alive. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think my grandma's gonna be ninety-three in a couple of days. Damn. <laughs> nice. Ninety-three. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anything you guys want to say before I geek out over that last fight? Uh, so episode twenty-six, the whole 
Sentai hero looking robot suit madness. Yeah, that was the, the only thing. Because again, I can see a potential payoff down the line for the uh, crazy ass Shizuna man suit. The only thing mm-hmm. I liked about that was like the actual henshin sequence where she kind of like activated the armor. That shit looked <laughs> cool as fuck. <laughs> it was really nice animation. I noticed the difference. Me. Like, oh my so god, the, it's so cool. So the only. So the only thing I'm, I was kind of wondering here was, wasn't the whole point of the robot suit to make it so he could fight because his arm was broken? Wasn't his arm still broken? I thought it was still broken. It, I think it is. I think it's still broken. Because remember, that's why he went there. He kept begging for some way for yeah, him to keep well, fighting. Like she had the, He had the thing on him that was like acting as like a brace. And then, yeah, she made the full suit basically because he was really bummed out about getting getting whipped as hard as he did. And I don't think uh, like months have passed for him for that arm to heal because no, he like, arm, shattered that arm. No, that arm was probably still broken. Um, remember, oh, he's, uh, yeah, he's it was like, still he's, broken. He's like Maki. He's an asexual it. fighting Baka. He like blocks pain out through raw stupidity. Yeah, no, okay. Blocking pain out is one thing, but when a doctor tells you, "Look at this X-ray, buddy. If you use this fist, your bones will just like." Well, that, that, that didn't stop him from trying. Hopefully, now that he's got his confidence back, he'll maybe focus on like training or something and resting that arm so he can actually fight other people. I guess. I mean, but there's there's only so much you can do mentally to to block out the well, fact that. Well, you- yeah. Again, I'm hoping because I think I think the Fukamichi ranking thing is kind of it's either done. Or the yeah. full scale anything goes tournament is at least over. Um, hopefully these characters will take time take time to recover because they're all pretty fucked up by this point. But didn't he lose already? Did that fight even mean anything? I thought he lost yeah, well, already. He was only he was only fighting there to help uh, what's her face test out the armor. Those weren't. I don't oh, think those okay. were ranking fights. All right, that's what I kind of figured because mm-hmm. he was he was done. Yeah. Um, that's one thing I wanted to kind of get into is kind of like the way these characters kind of attach themselves to Maki. Uh, I was thinking about that a lot over the course of watching this, and um, I think because because this is a, that's actually a pretty common trope in shonen manga, which is due to the fact that normally you what tends to end up happening is is characters who are part of the main squad will be introduced by fighting the main character. Um, This kind of, you know, of course, they fight the character and then they end up joining up with him either as rivals or as friends, and it became kind of a niche within uh, shonen manga. There's a slight spin on this in the sense that, I I don't know if it's because Maki's uh, female or what, but half the people who end up joining up with her end up falling in love with her. But uh, I can see what they're getting at beyond a trope. There's always some sort of like connective tissue between the two of them to justify why insert character here gets attached or at least develops some kind of interest. And it's not even just the friends that the people that end up being friends. Like the first instance you have is. Shinosuke and their thing was that they both started pursuing what they do when they were little ass kids. 
similar thing with Kai. Not only that, but they also have similar styles. But even with um, some of the enemies, like Yuki, I think I mentioned in the episode where she appears, um, she's got the same sort of crazy eyes that Maki gets. And in the episode, in the episodes where Maki does kind of lose herself in that, she's always like expressing some sort of gratitude towards her opponent because she can actually let that out which Yuki ends up doing right before they start ramming their heads into each other. <laughs> yeah. And same thing with uh, Kinjiro. They're both, again... Well, Maki is an asexual fighting Baka, and Kinjiro is trying really hard to be one. But She's not asexual. That's, that's, that's the ideal version of the character. I, can, can we not... <laughs> She's a big old lesbo. Ugh. Whatever helps you sleep at night, Mike. <laughs> it's pretty clear. Nah, stop trying to make me not like the anime. I want <laughs> Why to do you hate lesbians? I, I, I don't hate lesbians. Cool. I don't like Mina. She can be lesbian <laughs> with, literally, with literally any other woman in this show but me. Okay? <laughs> and I'd be fine with it. It'd be cool. I wouldn't even care well. if it didn't make any sense. Just not, not Mina. <laughs> right. You must close your eyes every time you see them on screen together. Oh god damn it. What why why do you like the two of them so much? What what appeal is there? Uh it's not even that I like it, I just think it's pretty clear. <sighs> if if there were a uh. season two and if that's the way people were interpreting those two, then they would need to stop it. Because Mina fucking ruins every... Not but every also, scene she's in, but every goddamn fight that happens. I don't know, but speaking to of. to that type of character, that, that type of character doesn't bother me for some reason. I know, like... I guess it's, she's a different type of character than, like, Asuka Kazama, but... I don't know, for some reason, like, one note, like... I, I don't know why you, you you don't like these characters. It's not. See, Oscar bothers me way. Le- I don't. Let's not even get in the Oscar for a minute. Mina, the, the primary thing is that she gets in the goddamn way of the stuff I actually want. Like when she's a punchline, it's sort of okay, just as long as it's not interrupting something else. And the problem is, is as the series goes on, she's constantly injecting herself into shit she not only has nothing to do with it do with but actually wants Maki to not be a part of and yeah but it's not like she prevents anything from happening she does prevent one fight from happening Maki and uh, fucking fake Akira were supposed to have a fight in the park and it didn't happen I don't remember Mm-hmm. yeah no it happened uh, right before the two of them ended up in that movie theater because Mina was sitting out in the rain like an idiot. Um, <laughs> you really don't no, no, like Because it. It, it would keep happening. It happened during the Yuki fight, too, where Maki uh, and Yuki are having this death battle, and they keep having to cut over to Mina, who's like, no, I won't pass out with her grating-ass voice. And it was happening in 27 as much as I liked it. She, Maki is fighting this 
mountain of a man with all 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo in him plus an extra. <laughs> and they keep cutting over to Mina failing to climb Trash Mountain. I don't know. I think can, can, the, we, can the, we just focus on the fight? And that's the problem. This is why I, I think don't this like. <laughs> this is why I don't like Mina with Maki, because eventually, there if those two are together, they're gonna have to address it, and it's all it's gonna do is take time away from the fighting. It's gonna take time away from Maki being a badass. <laughs> See that goddamn fight? She was learning how to fly. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just feel like there's. It's not like. We don't get to see a ton of fighting every episode, so it did. I'd barely noticed. Yeah, I barely noticed till you kept bringing it up and being like, "Oh yeah, they're a couple. Look at them. Oh yeah, they're cute." Uh, again, if you like I, that sort of thing, that's fine. I, I just I think wanna, it's nice. Again, anyone else? Anyone else? Oh man, that's some hate. Yeah, that was some serious fanboy rage. <laughs> that really was. Yeah. Um, anything else you guys want to say about not just these three episodes, but the series as a whole? Uh, it's just it, it's weird. Like the episode twenty-five just kind of reminded me of how much I didn't like him, and it. It went from like a nine to like a seven and a half. It just brought the whole thing down. Mm. Mm. Um, and the and the ending itself, the, like I was really hyped, like to watch these final three episodes, and then I was just like real disappointed. Um, I there was a lot of like kind of half executed, interesting ideas in the uh, last episode. Um, I liked seeing her backstory um, with her mom. We kind of got a little more mm-hmm. explanation there. It was nice to see her dad like acting like a dad for like half a second. Yeah, I, I yeah. kind of assumed that the two of them had gotten divorced at some point while Maki was a kid, but like he was actually yeah. there when she was. Yeah, like I kind of. It does make me kind of wonder about the nature of things. Like it seems like this is these are the events we were watching that account for this series happened much sooner after her mom passing than I thought. Like, I thought yeah. there was a bit, of, a bit of time between the two, but it seems like it could have been, like, this could have been, like, weeks later. It was interesting to to, to get all that. Um, I kind of... I don't know. You, you mentioned you had been... I guess you you're thinking about writing something of a movie oh, yeah. treatment for this and I it's funny because I versus the all boys school yeah yeah I've I've thought a lot about that too how I would and now that we've gotten to the end I've was kind of thinking about how I would structure certain things um, I think it, it would make sense uh, for that to kind of be the focus of a first film and I was thinking like a sequel would would be cool to be about like the Fukumichi Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rank- rankings. That's how I planned it. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, you kind of like end where she's got a rep, and, and now the Fukumichi rankings are have heard about her when you start the next film. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but I guess my point in saying all that is that seeing the whole thing, it's one of those things that's just flawed and how I, I wish I could like change things and edit things and move things around uh, to make it a lot better because it has, it has a lot of potential to be something like really amazing. And it, it is something really amazing, but it's just really flawed the way it is and and unfinished. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, Joe, what about you? So, I mean, after episode 25, I was kind of like, eh, all right, that was a little weird. Then episode 26, I was like, okay, this I'm still not seeing – we got one episode left here. I, I'm not I'm not feeling any type of buildup. And then the, the final episode, uh, I mean, there's like this just truckload of stuff that just tossed right on you. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. Immortals thing, learning more about Maki's past and just – I mean, they just toss so much at you, and it's only like sometimes what they'll do with a final episode of a series or something is instead of doing the usual like twenty three minutes or you know thirty minutes or whatever, they'll give you maybe like forty minutes because they know we got to like tell you a lot of stuff here, and it just felt like they were just tossing way too much at you, and then then you find out that the entire ranking system and whatever was all built around the idea of who could be strong enough to defeat the, uh, you know, the guy in this particular episode, I guess the final boss, if you will, or yeah, something. He, he is the and, final boss ass final boss uh, I've ever seen. Yeah. But the problem was, at least for me, is that, 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 that fight, it just, you could see that he was incredibly powerful. You could see he was number one, but it just, it, it ended way too quickly, and the way it ended was incredibly unsatisfying for me. In fact, I'm still a little puzzled on the what the heck happened. She kicks him in the face after giving it her all, and then he screams, knocks her heart, like knocks her really, really, really hard. Yeah, it takes the building down. Takes the building down, and it takes him down with it, and then that's it. Come on. Well, well he's that, not, he's not dead. <laughs> Okay. What do you Not think? You think, or... you think this was a Ninja Turtles two ending? No, 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 no. I, I know he wasn't dead. I mean, like you could see the rubble moving and blah 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 that kind of thing. Yeah, I knew he wasn't dead, but it's just the way it ended. I mean, she just you see her walking, walking it all off like nothing had really happened. And then when they ask her, like um, like, I think like the guy had asked like you know what happened. She's oh I can't remember. Like, what what we we. It's well, just, no. He he asks her how the fight go. She says, yeah. "I can't rem-. Well, she says, "I can't right. remember the him." But then she goes to her friends and says, "I lost." Just, I did not like how that ended. It just it felt very unsatisfying. I wanted more from it. That fight mm-hmm. felt way too short. It just didn't. I mean, it, she the fight with her and the girl all dressed in white was way way more like you could see like at higher stakes and like things that were like, this is it. Like if she doesn't do this, this is it with him. It just felt like another person she was fighting. So, so the stage was set better in regards to, uh, what was on the line stakes build up and outcome, uh, in the case of the fight with Yuki versus the one with the eternal is what you're right. Yeah. And I, and, and, and yeah. I mean, I mean, of course this was the final fight I and mean, she lost this. That's pretty much it. I mean, like that's, but it just, they didn't give enough buildup for me. It just mm-hmm. didn't, it, it seemed too sudden. It seemed too out of nowhere. And, and just the ending, 
just wasn't it just was not satisfying enough in the way it ended. I mean, maybe if she was like crawling out of the rubble and he's grabbing her leg as you know <laughs> shooting out of the rubble and and, and like and maki's like trying to kick his hand says, off or something she says eternal burn in your golden hell and kicks him into <laughs> yeah i mean but it, but this i mean you just <laughs> that would have been an amazing ending but the way this ended is just he gets a kick in the face he screams real loud the building he punches her building collapses she walks it off episode over mm-hmm. what the f- come on it is, yeah. You know what the the whole series feels like to me? Mm. It feels like they had a bunch of really good ideas, um, and they put them in a hat, and they <laughs> made all like the decisions by pulling by pulling out shit from a hat or just rolling a dice to make their decisions or a main character is going to be a girl and there was a creepy guy uh, in in the building that kept putting like rape tabs in the hat yeah well it just feels like everything was decided by like dice rolls which makes for it makes it really exciting because you legit have no idea like what's going to happen next but it kind of results in some weird decisions that don't make any sense too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like episode was it it was 20 26 was kind of baffling for me. Um 25 was more upsetting. Uh again <laughs> 27 I fucking fucking loved that shit. I'm not sure if it's I've seen too much fighting anime that like weird decisions like that just don't or rather in this case didn't really bother me or if it was just that I liked the fight so much that I was willing to look past it or what but so how much of the manga have you read well um, online you can find about one volumes worth and that's kind of like about it I guess some some guys decided to decided to start translating it and fell off or something but I've done a bit of digging. I mean, hmm. that, that one volume was the best I could do. Because I, I would love to see how the manga is paced mm-hmm. and how it's different. Because it, I don't know. Because the other, if it wasn't all completely random, it feels like they were just following exactly like. Like there must have been no deviation or something. No, it was. It's a even the first volume. It's a little different. Like I was mentioning <laughs> early on, it seems. Uh, it seems like the Jack Jackhammer guy was trying to gather people to go up against the Fukumichi ranking. He did mm-hmm. not outright say it was the Fukumichi ranking. He was just talking about a group of fighters. He was trying to get people together to go against. And that's what I'm assuming he's talking about. Unless there's like a whole arc in between the two that I that they didn't put in here. Um Yeah. Fucking you, you know what? You, you know what? I actually would not have mind as much how episode twenty seven ended if they would have paced it like they did Rocky Three with Clubber Lang. And, I think you want the final boss to be killed at the end of the thing. No, 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 I don't, I don't where want where we are. I, 
I don't want him to be killed. I want some sort of development with his character. And there was, I know there was with all that weird immortal shit at the very end, but I'm just saying, give it more room to breathe. Just like, just, I mean, if there was an episode before this where Maki had encountered him and there was uh, like maybe one more episode where she does a second fighter or some, some sort of just lead in or something, just introducing all that weird ass shit with that immortal stuff. Just anything, just yeah. some build up. Um, just I, mean, I don't want him to die. I just I just need more. Okay, well, out no, of his character. Said, when you all. said Rocky three, I thought about the basic. Well, it's Rocky loses and then comes back and wins. I thought that's why I kind of jumped up at that. Well, um, why well, I, I I meant more like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I meant kind of like that, but not the dying part at the end. I just mean more just kind of how it's yeah. set up. Just Nobody dies in that movie. <laughs> well, no, no, no I, I, I was over exaggerating when I say dies. Just that it mm. seemed like what Joe wanted was Maki encounters the Eternal. Eternal beats her. She does some shit. Maybe has the flashback about her mom. Has an epiphany. Comes back and defeats the Eternal. Everything's, you know, roll. You know, everything's tied up in a neat little bow. And um. Again, I don't think yeah. that's the point where the story was at. Yeah, you know, it feels like like if in MGS three they moved the end's boss fight to after the boss, <laughs> it'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> Who is this? Huh? Um, I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, if you guys got any more to say about uh, twenty seven, go for it. Um. I need to rant. Well, well, like, well, like you said, Lionel, the whole thing. I, you know, are you explained how I would want the setup to be? And, and I know that yeah, it wasn't supposed to end um, with episode twenty-seven. But if it were to have ended, kind of like at episode twenty-seven, um, I kind of would it would it like would like to have had it like you said, or just all you know, just all loose ends are tied up and all that kind of stuff. That would have been nice. If the show, if the series would have ended on the fight with him. I would have been totally fine with that. The guy looked badass and he was really cool in, the, in his fighting style and he kind of really gave Maki a really big challenge. So I actually would have been fine if it all ended with him, but I just, because it wasn't set up that way and the idea, it seemed like there was going to be a lot more of it Then yeah, I just, God, just sucks. Yeah, I, I mean, was, we've, we're kind of running around in circles here. I just, yeah, I know. I feel like I'm, we're, I'm we're sorry. trying to, we're, go to something else but we keep ending up back here yeah we're, uh, i'm we're, done we're just, i'm not ranting we're just missing like three episodes of mm-hmm. of mm. like i mean we it, it's just clear something weird happened there because we never even like you said before we never even met number two on the on the rankings mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um i'll i'll just not mention 27 anymore um anything to recommend uh, recommendation? Uh... <laughs> it's okay if you don't got one. We've recommended like like four episodes worth. Maybe five. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of other shit that made us really uncomfortable. No. Uh, <laughs> no. I can think of something. Stop. No. 
No. Go listen to Jumper Cables' solo episode. Oh, on, yeah, yeah. Listen to uh, that because uh, I'm telling you not to watch something. Uh, I have I have not listened to it yet, but yeah, it's good. I know. I like it. I don't know. We just have too much content. I can't listen to it all. And I was there <laughs> for fine. most of it. No, yeah. you were you were there for the part that yeah. You were you were there for the little bit where I let everyone know why this episode doesn't actually exist. Did you use any audio from that yeah. lost episode? Oh yeah, I used you describing why it bothers you and then why Joe bothered you, and I think there's even the little bit that leads to us watching Mad Bull. Hmm. <laughs> Mad Bull. That is a recommendation. That's a yeah. good show. It's um, very good. See it. I can't really think of any like. I know there's gotta be some kind of anime with good fighting in it. Cowboy Bebop. There you go. Watch the Bebop movie. Watch yeah, hey. specifically that last fight. Yeah, that's, that's good uh, shit. That's a fucking. Just watch it on YouTube. It's 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 really good. Animation in that movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, um, play some Tekken. Tekken's fucking mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like weird fighting shit. Um, watch the end fight from uh, what was the name of that CG movie? Uh, CG movie. Yeah, the three-way fight between Jin, Diaper Butts, and... Kazuma. Oh, um, yeah, I completely forgot that we were talking about Tekken. <laughs> um, uh, bull... no, uh, but, Blood something. Blood something? It's not uh, Bloodline Rebellion. Yeah, that's the it's game, not... so it's like... <laughs> I, I don't know. CG Tekken. <laughs> Just put that mm-hmm. in. Blood Vengeance? Maybe it was Blood Vengeance. I don't know. What's Blood Vengeance? I've already stopped caring. Uh, Joe, you got anything? Yeah, so... It's not... It's it's dealing with fighting, but not between human people. So if you want to see some ships grapple each other... Oh yeah! Watch yourself some outlaw star. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of like novel ideas that kind of like exist between in, uh, between points of conventional thought, it's like so. Is it a mech battle? No. Is it a ship to ship battle? No. It's a battle between ships with arms and melee weapons. <laughs> yes. Ah, Get with crazy. It. Crazy awesome. It's really good. Um, another recommendation would be. I recommend someone translate the other volumes of Hair Bester. Yes. Please? That Please would be that. nice. We'll come back and do episodes on the mangas. We love Is it. There, I didn't know there was six years worth of... Yeah. That's crazy. There's, There's a, a lot. ton of stuff in there. Yeah. My God. And I, uh, want more. I, want, I want Maki versus the Eternal Round 2. Yeah. I mean, hell, we didn't get, I mean, just just the list of fights we didn't get. We didn't get Maki versus Yuki the rematch. We didn't get Kenjiro rematching with either Maki or Yuki. We never got to see Kenjiro and Shinosuke fight or Shinosuke fight Julieta or there's so many combinations of characters we didn't get to see battle as well as God knows how many new characters show up in that manga and you know, we never see Fukumichi fight anyone outside of Nagato, and yeah. 
Who is Nagato again? Uh, long arm, forty looking dude that's in love with Kenjiro. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We didn't really get another good um, uh, Kauri fight either. Yeah, after the uh, wrestling match, she's just kind of, kind of relegated to support. Sakiyama Kauri. Yeah, we could always use more Sakiyama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me think. Is there any more? Jericho huh. mentioned Rocky. Those are good ass fighting movies. Those are good movies. Um. So. Except for five. <laughs> five. Five tries. <laughs> it um, does. Uh, the fight with the Eternal, uh, specifically the points where Yuki and Maki are fighting them tandem, uh, reminded me of the big fight at the end of the Street Fighter 2 anime, which is what I plan to have us watch on our 100th episode. Hopefully I'll have nice. the time to do it, because we'll have to watch it subbed and dubbed. Um, but yeah... Like, similar thing going on with those fights, and uh, they're both pretty good, pretty huge. Um, trying to think, I know I had another one. I always recommend Crow Zero for similar levels of, like, raw-ass impact. Um, I could have swore there was one more. I have one more recommendation oh, after you um, think of it. There's a weird martial arts movie that can't kind of came out underneath the radar. Only the strong. Um, mm. Sure. You know, uh, what Maki does looks kind of like Capoeira with huge leaps. So only the strong is pretty good. Uh, the movie I was talking about was, it's called Bunraku. Maku. It's got, um, what is the name of that motherfucker? Josh, something or other. Uh, it's got Mark DeCascos in like a minor role, but it's it's a set in a world where guns were outlawed, so everything it's is got, resolved with melee or hand to hand combat. It's got Woody in it. Yeah, he's playing like and a side character. And it's called Bunraku. Yep. Yeah, I've check out heard, the cast list. It's crazy. I've heard that name before. I thought it was an anime. Nope. It's live action, though it's very anime inspired. It's got a huge Japanese presence in it. When was it made? Uh, hold on. Since I gotta look it up, I might as well cast this myself. Who directed it? Uh, hold on. You wish, Joe. Yeah, I'm not that good. I'm not saying you're not that good. I'm just saying you wish you made this. Uh, directed by Guy. Mosh? I don't know how you pronounce this. M-O-S-H-E. Never heard of him. Me either. Let's see. It's got Josh Hartnett, Woody Harrelson, Gacked. (laughs) 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 Fucking Ron Perlman and Demi Moore. (laughs) Wow, that's a pretty insane... I mean, you throw Gacked into any (laughs) cast. (laughs) I just forgot that guy existed. I don't know why. Just like mentioning that guy's name is funny to me. 
It sounds like something from Nickelodeon. Yeah, Nickelodeon. (laughs) You say, I "I don't know, and then he falls down from the ceiling. Just like a ninja. Yeah. Durr and Gray. God, I haven't thought about those guys in a long fucking time. Oh, yeah, back... Back when everyone was discovering, you know, all you, all the would-be anime fans were discovering J-pop and J-rock. Duh, I forgot that shit existed. The two names that would pop up when you looked for J-rock by default were always uh, Larkin Seal and Durin Gray. (laughs) But, yeah. Um, Joe, you said you had one more recommendation? Oh, yeah. So... Go on YouTube and watch the fight between Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. Oh, at the end You're of the um, um, Way of the Dragon or Return so, of the Dragon. That fight is... That whole movie's pretty good. Uh, yes. But that fight that in particular is really good. Yeah, watching a young Chuck Norris get his butt whooped by Bruce Lee. Is that just was getting his... His chest hair ripped out. I was about to say, that was a legit fight, but like one of the things you can look forward to is seeing a man get some chest hairs ripped. And there, that man is a hairy individual. Disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) This is a great fight, though, because that that is some real shit right there. That is not fake. It's good as hell. I'd recommend watching the whole movie just because they build up to it pretty nicely. Yes, they do. The movie is fantastic. Mm. You know what? Without spoiling anything, the new Blade Runner has some pretty brutal fights. Really? Ooh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You didn't see it, Joe. Um, Um, I'm getting excited, though. Getting pumped. Seeing it Saturday. Yeah. All right. Anything you guys want to say to the audience before um, I seek out the Eternal and learn to fly? (laughs) Um, I had something to say, but I don't remember what it was. Um, Shark Tank, CBS Tuesdays. What? <laughs> there you go. Invest in everything. Is this some kind of social experiment you're doing on me? <laughs> Invest in Knight Rider. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, I think my co-hosts are having a stroke. Goodbye, everyone. I smell toast. Toast. The opening and closing theme is Synthetic Highway. Please check out its creator, Submorphine, at soundcloud.com slash submorphine. S-U-B-O-R-P-H-I-E. The preview theme slash promo theme is Anime Raku. Please check out its creator at facebook.com slash squarion, S-Q-U-A-R-I-O-N. Also check out Squarion's Flash Project, Project Stick, at facebook.com slash project stick. For old episodes and new episodes as they come out, please subscribe to us on soundcloud.com slash radio. You can also subscribe to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash radio, on Twitter at radio, or through Android, iTunes, or Google Play. If you want to talk to the host individually, I'm on Twitter at Connect. Joe is on Twitter at MAGP Returns, and Mike is on Twitter at Hyper90s.
But yeah, the, like, the game knows where you are. Like you're about to shoot a porn. <laughs> yes. Well, they've kind of crammed all those cameras into the headset itself now and into the controllers to kind of make it so you don't have to do that anymore. And Stop. they're releasing these hey, new controllers listener. with the Oculus Go. Over here. Um, Follow so yeah, me. That's, that's neat. I like that they're kind of evolving the technology, if you will. And the final decent announcement that came out of there is that they're they're still trying to partner with big game studios. So. All right, now it's just the two of us. Uh, we can get down to some real deep cuts. I didn't intend to be solo casting so soon after my last uh, attempt at it. Honestly, I didn't really intend to do it at all. But uh, things being what they are, life. There's some serious time constraints on the recording of both my show and Joe's, which can lead to thoughts and ideas getting lost in the shuffle, such as the case with that Airmaster episode. So, here I am to not only share some some of those lost ideas, but to tell you about my uh, film and game idea for the property. I did promise to do the uh, film pitch or treatment or whatever for it on the show but we just ran out of time which i think i mentioned though before all that i should probably clear things up about mina and my issues with her i don't actually hate mina surprise surprise i do feel like a lot of the times though the humor associated with her is more her boobs and to that extent it feels like maybe her boobs have more character than she does. She's pretty one-note, similar to Sakamoto. Granted, she's not crazy and not rapey. And maybe that was a bad comparison. Yeah, she's definitely uh, one-note. More of her lines might be her saying Maki-chan than actually saying anything else. Um, But she's not terrible. Honestly, I was just kind of being triggered by Mike, and he'll usually uh, cop to this sometime down the line, where he, such is the case with the Tekken anime, where he used to insist nonstop that it was great, and I had terrible taste or something, and years down the line, he copped to saying that the primary reason for him insisting that it was amazing was because of how hard it would set me off. So I can't say for certain that's what he was doing. Every time he brings this up and states how obvious it is much to my dismay and like kind of keeps going even when it's obviously upsetting me, but uh, I don't know. It kind of doesn't matter. Um, Brain fart. Yeah, I guess his insistence uh, that uh, Mina and Maki were an item was bothering me. And part of that was that the dynamic between Maki and Mina, it's kind of, it's like a toned down version of the dynamic between Kinjiro and Nagato. Nagato, it's toned down because Nagato's meant to be like a sort of amalgam of uh, Mina and Sakamoto. He's both the well-meaning well-meaning same-sex admirer and the obsessive crazy admirer slash stalker in one though 
maybe they could have done that with the character associated with Maki and we could have gotten rid of Sakamoto. Um, again, there's parts of Sakamoto I like, primarily how he fights and maybe the reason behind his behind why he's so unhinged, but could have done without the creepy bits. Uh, that being said, Nagato's displays of belligerent affection towards Kinjiro are like at worst tolerated and at best indulgences that, you know, come off as strange, but are ultimately just accepted as like a weird quirk of an otherwise good friend. Like Kinjiro, when Nagato's saying that Kinjiro needs to kiss him, his reaction isn't, are you coming on to me? Or we can't do this. We're not, whatever he does it but the the way he i guess the reasoning kinjiro gives for doing it i think he states that it's kind of weird because they're both guys but ultimately the intent behind it seems less anything romantic and more like he was doing a favor for a friend um and nothing really comes out of that like kinjiro isn't shocked he's not really taken aback by it in the way you'd think and then you have mina and maki where mina's constantly hanging on her arm and for the most part maki isn't bothered by it but she's not really reacting to it either again indulging a friend's weird habit i guess um you know there's not any real romantic sort of affection from maki to mina which is why I don't really think that they were as obvious an item as Mike intends. Add to that that I've seen so much anime where you have an element like that, and it usually ends up being done so you can kind of have the comedic value from both ends, which is why you know Mina's hanging on Maki's arm. She's attached. She will make loud declarations of love for her or state that they're going to be together and her friends treat it as a joke maki at worst gets weirded out by it each time kind of like where did that come from rather than yes or even flat no it's just kind of like okay that was weird moving on can jiro does like a lesser version of that it, I don't even know if I tried to explain this to him just because he was so insistent that it was obvious and I was being weird. And, like, the more it happened, the more I kind of lost interest in doing that. Hence the kind of ranting. <laughs> but, you know, I think if, like, this were actually happening, somebody would come to some... You know, it would come to a head somewhere. Somebody would confront someone else. Either, yes, let's do this, or no, let's stop, or stop obsessing over me or what's the deal and you know it's never made official i guess is my stance on the matter so as far as i'm concerned there's nothing there though ultimately that's not even the biggest reason why i was opposed to it um I think of Maki as being, an, as I stated in the episode a couple of times, an asexual fighting baka, or at the very least, someone who's very awkward about romantic feelings and situations, which I can say she definitely is. I say that due to... Oh my god, another brain fart. 
Oh, yeah. The parallel it creates between Kinjira and Maki, which I kind of went into that. Um, you know, Maki is the asexual fighting Baka, and Kinjiro is trying to be, even though his hormones might be kicking in a bit harder. Though, I also like that she isn't interested in sort of romantic situations just because not even just anime media in general is always associating women with romance and relationships kind of like treating them like by default oh is a woman involved is she central to the plot okay what's her love life going to be about where's the romantic lead where's this thing which while it can happen with male characters doesn't happen as much and in an anime that's about fighting to the degree that this show is there's more than enough points of interest that I, I don't think anyone watching this really needs a romantic subplot, let alone one that's made to be that one that would ultimately be made to be forgotten in the form of Maki and Mina. And, you know, I just want the show to be about fighting. I want Maki to be about fighting. It's cool. I like I like the fact that she's obsessively into something. I have that trait in me myself, and I appreciate seeing it in other people, even if what they're obsessive over isn't what I'm into. But enough about that. Let's let's uh let's get to the meat. Let's get to the steak. Talking about deep cuts. Let's talk about episode twenty seven. And I won't go into the uh you know, trying to counter any of the critiques Joe and Mike made. We kind of went in on that enough in the proper episode. Instead, I want to go in on why I loved episode 27 so much and specifically hone in on the eternal fight and what the events of the fight imply and what they could imply, which is to say it's theory time. Um, to start off, I guess we can examine who and what the eternal is. I guess we don't really know who he is. But what? He's definitely something. He's specifically the 15th Eternal. You see 14 others, uh, all with markings on there indicating what number Eternal they are. Uh, one of the first uh, bits of dialogue from him that really stands out to kind of like imply what's going on with him is he says, I am that which has guarded pure strength all this time. I am that which will pass it on. And... It seems like right off the bat there, the fact that there's 15, the fact that he says he's both guarding pure strength and will pass it on, seems like there's maybe an element of succession here. Um, add to that, that uh, when you know he does his sort of boss transformation and the girl uses her ghost calling powers to pull all the other Eternals into him. He starts displaying abilities he didn't have before, which is to say, I think you become the Eternal, you inherit all the power of the previous Eternals as well as wielding your own. And this power just grows with each successor. Um, and add to that, you know, there's the fact that Fukumichi put together the ranking for the sole purpose of taking him down and there's this weird element of attraction fighters have to him even sakiyama who's apparently supposed to be uh pretty low tier on the sort of on the fighting scale of this show kind of like feels the presence feels pulled to it she's just more interested in fighting maki um, now, in that regard, you know, there could, you know, some potential there. Like, is he like the greatest fighter in the world? Is he the greatest fighter of all time? Is he tied to something bigger? And I think being tied to something bigger, just something bigger in general, or kind of like a spiritual element. When I say spiritual, I don't mean, you know, like religion or necessarily like 
faith or even like a hereafter so much as pursuit of something grand, something huge, something bigger than something kind of defies reason bigger than the here and now what we can perceive and that's what i think is going on with the eternal he either represents something bigger is a part of something bigger maybe is the big thing and people feel it like intuitively they feel it like uh multiple times maki and yuki are mention him in regards to the future maki looks at him and says does he know what my future holds? Yuki, what was it? Oh, yeah. She says, uh, I wonder where the future lies. I think after he does his boss transformation and when she gets knocked through the ground is lamenting. I want to see what lies ahead. And then right before the climactic moment of the fight, Maki's mentioning, you know, ahead of me, this place I will arrive at. I won't find out it I won't find out what it is until I fly. Oh, oh yeah, there was one more where right before right before that moment, right before Maki and the Eternal kind of have their final clash. The Eternal asks Maki, "Are you going to show me something?" and Maki says, "I was going to ask you the same thing." They're looking for something in this guy or they see something in this guy and that something is actually comes up in anime a lot specifically in regards to martial artists fighting characters uh fighting games i'm sure any of you who play them will notice that there's always at least one character who's got like a nebulous i just want to get stronger or i must discover true strength or you know like ryu from virtual ryu from street fighter or akira from virtual fighter i think maybe fangs like this from like like in Tekken 5 where he appeared onward you're gonna find at least one character or, or like Paul Paul's like that too you're gonna find at least one character whose whole thing is I want to get stronger or they'll have some concept associated with it like oh yeah true strength and this kind of ties to that idea of kind of like a spiritual pursuit in what you do uh like a grander purpose it's normally pretty vague and easily missed. You know, often characters who have that get mistaken as being kind of like boring, nebulous protagonist guy. And it's kind of hard to get across if you're not looking at it from a spiritual bent. Uh, someone who maybe practices Buddhism might make a bit more sense of it. It's kind of like the Buddhist pursuit of enlightenment, where you know, you basically you keep kind of doing whatever it is you do and you you know you reach that plateau that sort of human limit and then there's some mystery something you have to do something you have to unlock some element in some way you have to improve in order to surpass it to kind of go beyond human limits whereas i guess in the case of enlightenment it's like beyond basic human understanding it seems like the implication with the whole true strength is kind of beyond the normal human capacity and you get that when the eternals talking to yuki uh she asks him are you human and he says i've advanced beyond being human and i would believe that considering he's maybe the only person in this with a i won't say a god honest projectile attack but one that doesn't require an object of some sort like whether it's key or he's just punching so hard that he's creating like a gale force wind it was strong enough to like slice through concrete 
And, oh, I mean, the guy has monstrous key level. He does like a key strike that sends Maki flying into a wall. So even if it's key, it's not just the fact that he has a huge amount of it. Sakamoto had a huge amount of it. But key was always, you know, delivered or utilized from the body. Sakamoto was using key defensively and maybe subconsciously. I don't know. To kind of like block stuff in the body. Um, I think it was Yoshiki, the... uh, the other key guy, the guy who would use the key offensively, would channel it through the body, but he had to make physical contact. It moved from his body to the body of the other person. If it's key, then this is the only guy we've seen that can throw it. And if it's not, if it's just like a gale force wind he's punching, then God, he is strong. Which I'll buy, considering they were annihilating that building over the course of that fight. And the characters are just strong in general. I think at one point, Maki elbows through uh, like a concrete wall. One that may have been coming apart, but still, while fighting the ninja. But um, I think that's all we got for like what we can safely imply with what's going on here. Like I think there's definitely sort of a spiritual bent to their attraction to the Eternal, their desire to fight him, and their feeling that their, I guess, their ultimate goal, like what they're trying to achieve that they're not even necessarily completely sure of themselves lies either in the eternal or beyond the eternal beyond the eternal meaning after they've managed to defeat him which it seems like it would imply that defeating him would become the would make you become the eternal however i don't know if that's the thing they're really reaching for i don't know if they're looking at him and thinking yeah i want to be some crazy guy with a tattoo on his face that has ghosts following around him and makes out with some ghost caller chick. I mean, if either of them happen to be lesbians, I'm sure they'll enjoy it. But, um, or bi. It doesn't matter. Again, totally cool with Maki being a lesbian. Just kind of an issue if it's with Mina. But whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, where I'm going now, I guess, is in theory territory. Though there is some backing here. Um... I guess I'll start with the big point, which is they talk about Maki flying. Um, uh, what was it with Maki's mother said to her? Oh, yeah. Uh, suppress your emotions and go on experience. Then you'll feel just like you do when you're practicing. You will fly. Um, and I think that last, specifically that last punch, that the not the last punch, but like that scene where right before the and where she screams the eternal punches she dodges spins and then kicks him as well as the bit where she's just doing the rapid kicks and then the ghost lady actually remarks she's floating where like her feet come down but kind of like push air underneath and kind of keep her in the air i like that was an instance where they actually state she's floating and then that last scene can be a bit tricky to kind of to interpret because she does move like that from time to time. But I think what happened there wasn't just a stylistic flourish of her dodging and then kicking the Eternal in the face. I think that was legitimate flight. And I think that, like, my theory is that the whole Beyond thing is specific, well, is unique to whoever meets the Eternal. That fighting the Eternal, whether it's just in beating him or just in facing him allows you to kind of like 
you know, surpass the human limit to go beyond to sort of find whatever it is, maybe not even just fighters, maybe just athletes in general ultimately strive for at the end of the day, that sort of spiritual pursuit to what you do leading to advancing beyond human limits. I think I've said variations of beyond human so many times. If you make a drinking game out of it, you'll die. And anyway, I think that's that's the point. And I think the point in the case of Maki is that she's learning to fly. My theory isn't even so much that the Eternal is just this weird like collection of fighting abilities that, you know, people would want in order to be stronger than anyone in the world. I think he acts as like a buffer or a gateway or something to one achieving that beyond human level. And I I think maybe the whole aspect of the Eternal is collecting those abilities. I mean, there's some insane abilities already in there. I mean, the 15th Eternal, as I mentioned before, had a god on his project, like an energy or just just a projectile attack. He's had monstrous key levels, and he's just like really good with his arms, punches like a motherfucker, but specifically the key level and the projectile attack. When he takes in the other Eternals, he's then able to out-judo Yuki and for a minute even out Ariel Maki and I think that's what's going on it's like the collection of these insane these beyond human abilities that my theory is that they won't reach their peak until you face the eternal and we saw that with Maki and facing him two times she displays some aspect of flight floating in one case and then kind of levitating and moving while levitating in the second and I guess that's why I got so hyped it was kind of like it just kind of went from not completely like out of nowhere from grounded to this beyond thing there were subtle builds to it I like to think that the introduction of key and this weird aspect of fighters being able to sense each other that started with the Fukumichi ranking was kind of like a like a very subtle prompting, kind of like setting you up to be able to kind of take in what happens here. Because this is a big jump, and I think my uh, example of it being like an event battle is really there. It's why the fact that the ending is kind of inconclusive, kind of nebulous, doesn't bother me. I don't want you don't want definitive answers from an event battle because those things happen pretty early on even if this is like the midpoint of the series you don't want to explain everything because now you've got to like stretch out what seems like an obvious path to the end god knows how long and we know you know this the manga started in 97 and went to 2006 even if you know I mean, well, it, the manga went from 97 to 2006. The anime came out in 2003. So even if that was literally the halfway point of the book, it's still halfway. You know, obviously the end goal is now Maki faces the Eternal and wins. What happens there? You don't want to be sitting on that. Like, you don't want to be... Well, I mean, one, if she actually just beat the Eternal, then you know, series should be over unless there's like a super eternal or a uh, ultra eternal or she literally fights God. I don't know. Um, so the point is, is like leaving that air of mystery. If this is the halfway point is the right way to go. Unfortunately, it's not really conducive to a good ending in a, in a series, unless there's going to be another season, which, you know, we, we lamented that there wasn't, but um, I guess like building off of this whole idea of Maki, 
flying. Uh, You go back to what Maki's uh, mother said to her. You know, you'll fly. Just suppress your emotions. Go on experience. It's pretty similar to something that happened in uh, Dragon Ball Super, which will be old news by the time this comes out. Uh, Goku unlocks another ability called Ultra Instinct, which uh, I think it's just like, there's hinting of it in the resurrection of F, both the movie and the series adaption of that part of the story, where Whis, which is a guy who's training Goku and Vegeta, is telling them that their ultimate goal should be for their limbs to move, you know, independently of them as though they had brains of their own, having to rely on your brain to process things and then make your body move, no matter how strong, how fast. How like meticulous you train yourself, you're only going to be able to go so fast, so move so efficiently if you're having to think your move out, even if you can think really fast. Um, and what Ultra Instinct seems to be is just that his like whole body moving, parts of his body moving almost independently, but ultimately towards whatever his goal happens to be, which was fighting that big face alien guy. Like, there's kind of a point where he's just walking and then his arm flies out out of nowhere to uh, knock a blast out. He starts moving to block these guys before they're anywhere near him. He just turns to the side and walks away from a barrage of energy blasts. Not running, not dodging. You know, almost like it's precognition, but it's not precognition. The body, the individual parts of the body are just moving in response to these things versus him thinking and then moving his body to do it so it's kind of like muscle memory kind of like if your muscle memory had a little brain to process complex elements but um this idea is actually exists in martial arts and there's a video on youtube by a youtuber named jacks blade j-a-x-b-l-a-d-e maybe two x's i'm not sure he talks about how Ultra Instinct or some aspect of Ultra Instinct is actually possible. Um, I think Bruce Lee, he mentions Bruce Lee in there, mentioning that there's like, you know, you're, you're looking to achieve a state of like calm readiness. You're not tense. You're not focused. You're not like eyes out waiting for the next move. You're just ready. And I think that sort of aspect of combat, of martial arts, of just physical pursuits in general is the basis for this idea of what the Eternal is either projecting or allowing people to obtain through fighting him or maybe is trying to collect. Um, And I guess like kind of like picking up on all that, maybe not even necessarily completely understanding it, but definitely kind of like feeling that kind of idea coming from this, kind of getting that taste of like what's beyond and what's beyond being so fascinating to me in this regard is why I was so hyped for the fight and I think the fight was just really good it was really heavy lots of impact it was like bringing down you know they they literally destroyed a building in the process of that and I think that wasn't just a stylistic thing Um, there was the point where both Maki and the Eternal did this where they both screamed in such a way that it caused the building to vibrate. People thought there was an earthquake and Maki did that scream and then she did like the sort of levitation dodge counter and then the Eternal did it. It was much bigger and that's when he knocked out Maki and destroyed the building. (laughs) And again, I think they were Maki for the briefest of moments 
had actually attained her, let's just call it her ultra instinct for that, for ease, her whatever. She, for the briefest instance, she was able to truly fly and kind of maybe tap a similar source that the eternal draws from. And I feel like if it were other characters in there, this is why I think it's not just a distinct defeat the eternal, get the eternal power type thing. That it would be distinct for each character. They all display like weird abilities that kind of seem, well, I mean, they're depicted stylishly, but I think there may have been more to it because we start off with Maki just using gymnastics to utilize aerial attacks, abilities, whatever. And then by the end, the implication that she'll one day be able to truly fly. Uh, if it were Kenjiro, for example, maybe he'd be able to do honest to God, Kage Bunshin's like the ninja dude was trying to do, trying so hard to do. I'm not sure what it would be with Yuki. Maybe it would just be like an omnipresent eye that literally sees through every attack. Um, Sakamoto, he'd probably just be indestructible. Well, he damn near almost is. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of my um, reading of this, both what we can safely imply and then what maybe what I might be reading too much into. Yeah, okay, I think we got the serious bits out of the way, though I did enjoy talking about that. Two things, and I'll start with, the, I guess, the one I can go through quicker. One was, like, watching through this, I had this interesting idea for uh, a, a Air Master fighting game. I think ideally a 2D one. Uh, Amaki's aerial abilities would just be easier to kind of, like, depict in 2D. Like, jumping and moving in the air accurately might be kind of hard to do. I mean, if you get a creative enough uh, team, then maybe. But we'll just work off a 2D for right now. And I think the big thing of a 2D Air Master game would be, like, mix-ups. Like, with Maki, it would obviously be, you know, she can't be the Air Master and not take to the air. So it would be either... Uh, being able to attack better from... Well, obviously being able to attack better from the air. She's got the long legs on top of being able to jump really high. I don't know if you want to go as far as to give her a double jump or maybe give her moves that allow to kick off of the opponent even if they block. Um, it definitely moves that she can initiate from the air. Like, definitely you want to jump towards the opponent in order to do the air cut terminator or the air spin driver and maybe like uh, kind of like a mix-up game where she can go into the air and do multiple moves. So she can do one, do the other, do the kick off if you block and then set herself up for something else or just recovery. Because um, you want her to have a means, not not an infallible means of counteracting a um, anti-air move. But you don't want a single anti-air move to shut down literally everything she can do. I mean, she'll probably have some moves on the ground. Maybe, like, uh, she got really good at elbowing people. Kai also taking to the air, but leading more to grapples and having a bit more to do on the ground. Like, she definitely has to have the uh, Isakaya Bomber, Uh, the uh, Lariat. It's a Lariat. Maybe have like the running Liger bomb on top of the Sky Screw bomb and Sky Twister press, of course, and like even give her the ability to vault off like the ends of the stage in order to do it because that would be cool as hell. Um, Kinjiro, obviously, dash character, 
and you know give him some feints with the after images he can send an after image at you that's just the after image uh have one where he ends up behind you or one where he ends up underneath you like in front of you but crouched like in front of you but crouched in front of you but standing and one where he's not in front of you at all and you know you get your mix-up game there and of course he just has big punches maybe uh abnormally like a dash that covers more distance uh sakamoto just like attack negating abilities because he probably works similar to yuki except she would have actual counters with a smaller window you give sakamoto a bigger window and you maybe yeah you give him defensive maneuvers that negate attacks or lessen attacks um but maybe limit the special moves he has like he'll have like a kick a jumping kick maybe just like the single kick but they work differently like he can jump jump forward and kick jump up and kick and then just do a standing kick as a counter um yeah yuki obviously she's the counter character she has counter throws but her strikes will be efficient but very one-dimensional like very easy to kind of block you more using the strikes to set up the grabs uh you know lucha master maybe similar some some combination of abilities between maki and kai key master he maybe have a gauge where he can use those abilities kind of like um well, I'd say kind of like an EX, but I actually want everyone to have like a similar EX function that generates the eye trail that uh, a couple of the characters display in this anime, one of the distinctive elements. And the way I guess I'd have it play out is that you'd have like a story mode or arcade or whatever. You play through everyone, and the default boss is Maki. Unless you're playing as Maki, in which case the boss is in Yuki. But if you know you'll have conditions that you have to meet and maybe the conditions be different can be different depending upon what difficulty level you're playing like uneasy maybe uneasy you just have to get to maki or beat maki without losing a match by match i mean losing two rounds and then you unlock the ability to fight the eternal or, you know, and then it'll change on harder difficulties. But the way I would put it into the game is um, when you beat the Eternal, you unlock either one or maybe can unlock multiple super moves. And maybe if it's multiple super moves, then you unlock them for each time you for each difficulty you beat them on. Like you'll get the first one uh, after beating him on easy. And maybe that won't be one of those like ridiculous, like over the top feats. Like you won't get Maki flying, but maybe you'll get some variation of the air cut Terminator or like that, that like spinning bird kick into the airspin driver. She used to defeat Kenjiro or like if it's Kai, maybe this is how you unlock the ultimate sky screw bomb. You know, just something the characters have actually done, or like uh, that move Yuki does where she throws you into the air and then drops you on your head. Abilities they actually have, because again, you're beating it on easy. But, you know, you'll now have that ability to try and defeat the Eternal on normal, which will give you either a move that doesn't exist for the character yet, or in the case of, like, Maki, for example, that first instance where she was floating and doing the repeated kick. And she's just kind of like running you up the wall <laughs> as she's kicking you. And then maybe the last one is the like, uh, 
air levitation counter or maybe just an actual ability to have Maki, Maki fly, in which case you can move her freely on screen and she can do all her air moves. And I don't know. That one might break the game, but maybe you can unlock it anyway for funsies. That's kind of the basic idea for a fighting game. I guess the big one, though, that I was going to talk about was uh, my sort of, I don't know, pitch, uh, premise, uh, treatment, whatever, for something I, I talked about over the course of the of multiple episodes of uh, Air Master, which was a premise I called Aikawamaki versus the All-Boys School. Now, there's a couple of choices I still haven't made yet, and this was the primary reason why I wanted to talk with the co-hosts on the show. Again, we didn't really have time to talk about it together. So I'm talking with you about it, dear listener. Um, let me give you the opening bit of narration that hopefully set the tone. <clears throat> and there's going to be an over-the-top narrator, which will why will make sense once I get into the whole idea of it. Tomato high. The good little tomatoes hustling bustling through the warm and welcoming halls work day by day to form the foundation of their new future. But not all students are tomatoes. Some tomatoes are apples, and bad apples go to the all-boys school. And I guess, um, well, I was, it would say from there, in a remote campus in Hokkaido... <laughs> But whether or not the remote campus is actually in Hokkaido will be dependent upon some choices I make. Um, I kind of separated things by for, between the ballsy choice, the really ballsy choice, and the maybe jumper cables is insane choice. Uh, first and foremost, we got to get to the setting, and it might seem obvious, you know, Japan. But um, if it were me making this, how would I go to Japan, contact actors? Uh, it's kind of not feasible unless I literally just make this and hand this off to someone in Japan. <clears throat> uh, yeah, the so I guess the ballsy choice is Japan. Uh, the really ballsy choice is Japantown. <laughs> and that kind of like opens some doors for me. In that I can kind of, I can potentially try and have it both ways. Oh, no, wait, I mixed it up. The ballsy choice is just a transplant adaption, in which case I'm kind of free to cast uh, how I want to. The really ballsy choice is to try and actually do it in Japan, whether I film it out here and say it's Japan or actually go out there, hypothetically, of course. And the, oh my God, jumper cables, are you crazy, is the Japan town, (laughs) you know, Japantown, America. It doesn't matter what part of America. And that's kind of like trying to get the best of both worlds in this regard, that you can still have a population that's primarily Japanese, but still have foreign characters, um, which I don't know if you really get an Air Master. There's a couple... Of, there's two notable characters in there, which is a Sampagita Kai and... Julieta Sakamoto. Now, they have Japanese surnames, but Sampagita and Julieta are not Japanese names. Add to that is that I think there's kind of, um, like, all the characters have themes. It might be easy to miss and, you know, just assume that they're just background music, but every character has kind of, like, a distinctive theme. Sakamoto's has, like, weird bits of accordion in it. Um, I can't 
quite remember what was going on with the Kai's. I, I want to say there was some element of it that uh, lended itself either to Lucha Libre or Mexico, Mexican music. I want to say there was some notes somewhere. And there's different notes, and I want to say there's a distinctive Chinese element to uh, Genosuke, the uh, polearm guy. And that's where one of the reasons why I would want to do either a transplant adaption or Japantown lies, which is, I guess, to have some flavor. I'm not opposed to the idea of just an all Japanese cast, and you know, you can do a lot there. Is you know, similar to Luke Cage, where you had the all black cast, and you can have so many different depictions of black people in one movie. Uh, you could do the same thing with an all Japanese cast in this film. But I do kind of want to mix things up a bit. I do think it would just be more appeal both visually and in 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 the the number of characters you have on screen. If we have you know um, Hispanic characters in the form of uh, Kai and Lucha Master, if we have you know Sakamoto. I guess Sakamoto would be the token white guy, specifically a giant either Frenchman or half Japanese, half Frenchman. Like, they can be hoppers if, you know, you want to try and have your both ways, both ways again. <laughs> um, is Japanese, but all the Chinese elements associated with him, I would just make him Chinese again for some more flavor. But, uh, yeah, if I either go with a transplant adaption or a sort of Japantown scenario, I don't know if I could really spin remote campus in Hokkaido, though that might still be funny. Remote campus in Hokkaido would be easy-er in Japan. And the the campuses, I mean, the schools, the school that uh, Kinjiro and his goons go to isn't really connected to tomato high or the school mina goes to i just added that element to create the connection for the film to make things a bit more streamlined and there's i guess some other elements i would get into with that um now the weird bit of narration i was trying to kind of do when well the bit of narration i did at the beginning and the instance on a narrator is if I were to make a trailer of this, the trailer would initially seem like I was doing a very grindhouse-type approach to this. Just kind of like low-budget, over-the-top, action-for-action sake. You know, very pulp cinema. And it would be less a kind of like attempt to recreate a grindhouse film. And more a film that played out like a grindhouse trailer. Because the narration doesn't stop, and characters are constantly being introduced. Um, case in point, I don't remember Shinosuke's last name, but the narration, I, he was the one character I got to do the narration for, or one writing this out, attempting to write the four-page treatment. And what I ended up with uh, was, I don't know, let's call him Shim, Shinosuke, Shinosuke, yeah, Shinosuke, Shinosuke. Shinosuke Shinosuke, master of the three-section staff. Shinosuke is an up-and-coming street fighter, chivalrous, kind-hearted, and all-around badass. He's the second strongest in Tomato High, established when he fought Maki, and lost, almost instantly. He then fell in love with her, almost instantly. And there's a lot of running gags like that. Um, there's a couple of characters that 
fall for Maki, and the almost instantly thing will happen in, I think, both their cases, in both Shinosuke, yeah, I guess Shinosuke and Juliet are the only fighters that fall for her. maybe Kinjiro, I don't know. But this uh, story, Aikawamaki versus the All Boys School, specifically covers that uh, three-part arc where Kinjiro shows up with the whole school full of goons, the black-suited gentlemen of justice and sincerity, <laughs> with their like super old-school shonen approach and get up. And it, it's just about that how they abduct Mina and Maki, chases them through the city. Um, and the show is just kind of to like reestablish, reintroduce us to everyone we've met so far. But in the idea of this and following films as a series, it'll be the introductory point for all the characters, which is why you'll get introductions for every character. Maybe not every character, but most of the characters like you got for Shinosuke there. Uh, another one of the running gags is someone should have called the police. Uh, I think in the case of Jackhammer Guy, Skino, be like a Skino, super strong, able to work his hands like a jackhammer that he uses to work and beat up weaklings. He fought Maki and lost almost immediately, but Skino didn't fall in love with Maki. Skino is a grown-ass man. A grown-ass man fighting a 16-year-old girl. Someone should have called the police. You get uh, similar things like that, like when uh, explaining that <laughs> Maki's dad, uh, like Maki was born when he was 14. He's like a 14-year-old man uh, siring a, ch- like, um, uh, a man siring a child at 14 years old. Someone should have called the police. Uh, same thing with Sakamoto. <laughs> Uh, fought Maki, didn't lose almost instantly, but fell in love with her faster. Or maybe I could could say lost to her almost instantly and fell in love with her faster than that. Sakamoto is a grown-ass man. Someone should have called the police. Uh, same thing with Nagato. Also, constantly going back every time somebody mentions Kinjiro to mention one of the crazy things he did... Uh, in one of those episodes, they mentioned that he punched out a bear. In another episode down the line of the anime, you see him fighting wolves. Uh, I think the first instance of cutting to him would be like he wears san- he wears cement sandals and arm weights that are a bajillion pounds, or that aren't arm weights that weigh a bajillion pounds, or something like that. Everything's kind of like bombastic and over the top with that narration. But the big thing, of course, would be the fighting, and you get minor bits of fighting during those. Uh, bits of narration to be like quick cuts to like recreations of the fights Maki has with these characters that went pretty quick. So it'd be easy to do in those quick cuts, but then actual fights between like all these other characters and you know, these, uh, you know, school uniform, no names who just kind of like take the hits and like let everyone display their abilities of course, leading up to a big fight between Maki and Kinjiro, emphasizing the, you know, with everyone losing to Maki almost immediately, and Kinjiro, everyone cut, and the constant cuts back to mentions of Kinjiro doing something insane, and then he finally shows up and he knocks that giant dude through a wall. Also, displays himself as a good guy trying to bring Mina back. All the stuff that happened in the show. Really, it's it's a pretty loving recreation, just with some stylistic flourishes that are distinctly American in their kind of backing in cinema. Um, I initially planned 
the you know the idea was initially planned as like a three part thing: Aikawamaki versus the All Boys School, and Aikawamaki versus or I, I, either Aikawamaki in the Fukumichi ranking part one and two, or versus the Fukumichi ranking. But then I thought about it, and maybe just like a whole series versus, maybe not, maybe. J- Definitely, just more than more than three films, a couple. Like I'm pretty sure you can do a whole movie about um, Maki versus Kai in the wrestling ring. There's enough setup there that you can kind of do that, build up the world. Because then you also get to spend a lot of time with Sakiyama in you know in Maki versus Kai, Aikawa Maki versus some Sampakita Kai. And, you know, maybe then you can go into Fukumichi Rank. So maybe four movies in total, or maybe actually Fukumichi Ranking as one film and then versus the Eternal or Fukumichi Ranking one and two, two ending with her being beaten by Yuki. And then, you know, Aikawamaki versus the Eternal being like a fifth film. Yeah, I definitely want to put a lot into her fight with the Eternal. I love that so much. Just, I guess, yeah, the big thing is, like, there's a oddly strong spiritual bent to Airmaster as a whole that I really wanted to get into, but couldn't. And, you know, that's just the way things go. We were busy. There was, if I didn't have to, you know, we didn't have to then record Joe's episode, and then, then I have to go to work, and then, you know, there's just not much time between all that Joe's doing, all that Mike's doing, and all that I'm doing between work, school, and babysitting, and then trying to do podcast-related stuff, and trying to get this, you know, video game content, which gets, yeah, I guess this might be, I don't think this will be the first mention of it, I think it'll get mentioned in this episode that I snuck out of... <laughs> This episode of NAGP I snuck out of to talk with you, dear listener, because I'm always thinking of you. And, well, yeah, I think that's more or less all I have to say with you, say with you, say to you. And that's good because I think, you know, yeah, we managed to get weird. Joe going on VR, <laughs> which gave us some time. Yeah. He's probably um, running out of stuff Yeah, that's to pretty say. much all that was yeah. worth talking about that came out of it. Um, uh, more VR. There you go. Did Jumper Cables think, leave? Oh, shoot. I gotta go. Uh, thank there, you for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Yeah, I was just kind of like getting shit ready so I'd have more time to waste before I got a jet out the door. Well, we're pretty much done now. <laughs> Wait a minute. Colonel stories. Sanders is going to be in... By the way, I got some more recommendations. Um, in regards to that sort of fight that escalates to like a crazy beyond human or maybe spiritual element, whatever you want to call it. Um, a big part of that is an Afro samurai, which has fights that kind of like start and punctuate the series. So that's good. Also the fights in there are just really over the top and fun. Uh, the other thing, and maybe (laughs) something I should have mentioned from the beginning, but I, kind of didn't know existed like it's weird that i didn't put it together because i had heard the title before 
there's a movie from 85 called Jim Cotta, which is basically uh, somebody with the same gimmick as Maki, which is martial arts gymnastics hybrid. Right? This movie is super 80s. It is over the top 80s as hell. Um, I've, I haven't seen the film, just the trailer, but it looked it looked fun. So, yeah. Oh, um, something with big fights and a huge spiritual element. The spiritual element here is a bit more direct. Um, in a Buddhist sense, uh, Darkstalkers, the, specifically the Darkstalkers anime that I want to say came out in the early 90s, the OVA series. It's either three or six parts. I can't remember how many episodes exactly. I, I like it a lot. I like it so much that I'm actually kind of afraid of talking about it on the show. I can't do an entire episode of talking about its faults. I don't have that in me. But, yeah, anyway, enough about my problems, my faults and limitations and all that. I've uh, held you up long enough. Uh, Again, thanks for listening. Have a good night.